The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And it's a great pleasure for me to introduce our teacher today, uh, <laughs> Kelly McGonigal. Um, I'm just going to read you the bio because I don't want to forget anything here. So uh, Kelly's a, a Ph.D., senior uh, teacher and research collaborator at the Stanford Center for Compassion and Altruism <laughs> Research and Education, as well as being a psychology lecturer at Stanford University. She's a longtime meditator in the American Zen tradition and um, integrates modern science with contemplative practices. She's also a yoga teacher, I mm-hmm. understand. Yes. And... Um, Quite a spectacular one at that, from what I hear. So uh, she's an author. Her books include The Willpower Instinct, The Neuroscience of Change, and Yoga for Pain Relief. And uh, Kelly is one of the senior teachers in the uh, uh, C-Care program uh, and teaching the uh, CCT program at Stanford that I have the honor to be part of, and there's some other folks here from that program. It's an absolutely incredible program, and you're going to get a little bit of a taste of it this Mm -hmm. afternoon. So uh, I welcome you all, and uh, again, as Lori said, if there's any questions logistically, you can ask either Lori or myself, and we'll be around all afternoon. So Kelly, thank you, and welcome. Thank you. Okay, so we are going to begin our first practice in just a few minutes, but I want to orient you first to what's going to happen today. So there's still time to run out the emergency exit if you think you're here for the St. Patrick's Day festivities. Um, So I wanted to actually tease Robert a little bit here. Uh, Robert asked me, you know, well, we want you to teach something on compassion. Send us a description. So I sent this description, which you may have read. This experiential workshop explores through discussion, self-reflection, and meditation insights into the process of cultivating compassion based on the latest research on compassion. Topics include self-compassion, obstacles to broadening compassion, and how compassion meditation changes the brain. Practices will include guided compassion meditations, gentle mindful movement, and simple breathing exercises. So I sent that, a little bit of silence, and then I get back this very sweet email from Robert saying, um, we've talked about it and we're wondering if you're actually going to be able to do all that in three hours, should we maybe take some of that stuff out? Do you remember that? And, uh, you know, so here's, here's my thought about this. That's the, that's the overall trajectory we're headed on. And then we're going to respond and see what actually happens as we practice. So this will be a mix of science and practice and conversation. You'll be talking with me. You'll be talking with yourself. You'll be talking with each other. There'll be opportunities to take notes if you're a note taker. And there will be lots of opportunities to meditate. And even though this is not, um, so we're in a meditation center, but it is a secular workshop. Uh, so it won't be quite as formal as maybe some meditation retreats or workshops you've been to, but we do have some basic guidelines, and I just wanted to set them up since many of you have never taken a workshop with me before. And there are a few basic principles I like to follow to make this a safe and supportive environment for everyone who's here, whether you are a lifelong meditator or brand new to this practice. And so the first guideline is that you are free to participate or observe in anything that we do today. That includes big group conversations. It includes the meditations. You may find that 
you know, you're like, wow, I'm just going to listen to this meditation first, and then maybe I'll explore it again on my own. Or feel free to dive in and actually do the practices as I lead them. It's also going to be true we will occasionally break up into small groups or partners for a couple of short exercises. And if you're the kind of person who feels like you want to keep this a little bit contained to your own experience today, uh, you're welcome to practice with yourself rather than with a partner. Although I'll encourage you to work with a partner for a few of these exercises. Now, when it comes to group conversations and partner exercises, I'm going to ask you to be impeccable with a few basic rules for how this happens. Uh, One is that when we talk as a group, I'm the facilitator, so you're always talking to me. And if someone on this side of the room says something absolutely amazing and fascinating and you want to respond directly to that person, I'm going to ask you instead to speak from your own experience and speak to me. And in this way, it makes it a little bit easier for folks to share their experience without worrying about whether someone's going to come in and evaluate or misunderstand or interrogate. Okay? So you're going to be more like a witness in conversations, both as a full group And also when we do partner exercises, there will be very specific guidelines for just witnessing and listening to what someone shares uh, to make this as um, really as impeccable and clean a process as possible. The other thing I want to mention is that we will be taking a break about halfway through, but you should also practice self-care. So if you need to take a moment to yourself, step out, use the restroom or anything else like that, uh, I realize in in a room this tight, It's going to be hard to do that without feeling a little bit awkward, but you should do it anyway. Um, People will understand if you have a need that you need to take care of. So those are our basic guidelines. Do we have, can we have like a kind of consensus around that? Yeah. And uh, I'll remind you of that as we go along. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say I'm a little chilly, and at the break I'll go out and get some uh, clothes, Yeah, should we take a vote? Are we cold? Yes, the room has lots of different temperatures. The room has microclimates, is what I'm being told. <laughs> so, from people who know this room better than I do. So, um, oh, this reminds me of a great story about rooms being too cold and too warm. Um, <laughs> we probably will not be able to create the perfect climate for each one of you. Um, but if things get... If, if, if There you go, and someone has offered you... Where'd that come from? That's great. Ask and ye shall receive. So if we as a group get increasingly uncomfortable and there's a skillful way to deal with it, we will. Um, Otherwise, we also make room for the fact that, you know, things will be imperfect. And that's okay, too. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention before we go into our first practice is a definition of compassion that that I'm working with and the, sort of the scope for the material that I will be presenting to you today. So the definition of compassion that I use is one that comes from the Stanford Center for Compassion and Altruism. And this is one that really integrates what you might call wisdom traditions with science. And this is the uh, idea that compassion is a response that unfolds in the awareness of suffering. Right? So it begins with awareness of some kind of pain or suffering in yourself or in others or in the world. And that that awareness gives rise to a, kind of a mixed emotional state of a little bit of distress, but also a sense of care and love or connection that then motivates a desire to relieve that suffering and, whenever possible, the willingness to act skillfully to relieve that suffering. So when I say compassion, that's really what we're going to talk about today. Awareness of suffering, how suffering makes us feel when we're aware of it, and how we can try to 
transform whatever we're feeling into a desire to relieve suffering and skillful means for relieving that suffering. And this is going to be a mashup today of two classes that I teach. One is a straight-up meditation training. That's the eight-week compassion cultivation class that Robert mentioned. So we're going to be doing a lot of meditation. And the other class is a class I teach called the Science of Compassion, which is a straight-up science lecture on compassion. So we're going to go back and forth between the two. You'll get a taste. Both of them are eight-week classes, and you're going to get small doses, thin slices of, of that material today. Okay, so now I think that probably as many of us are going to be here are here. So we are going to start with a, a stabilizing the mind and settling practice. And I'm actually going to invite you to, uh, now that you've all gotten super comfortable, I'm going to invite you to stand up. <clears throat> now, not, standing is not possible for everybody at every moment. So standing is your version of standing. If that means just sitting up a little bit more, if that means bringing awareness to the crown of your head, Standing is relative. So this is an exercise that I call mountain, sun, sky. And it allows us to touch into what we might think of as the embodiment of certain qualities of compassion. And the first quality is groundedness and steadiness. And you're almost already there. The only thing you need to add to this is bring some attention to your own foundation, whether you're sitting or standing, whatever the posture is right now. See if you can make a more conscious choice about the placement of your feet, your legs, or your hips. If there's a lot of tension holding you together, you might give yourself a little more space at your base, whether that's spreading your hips or spreading your feet. And then let your shoulders come all the way up to your ears on an inhale. And as you exhale, drop the shoulders down. Let's do that two more times. Inhale, shoulders to your ears. Exhale. And one more time. Okay, now take a moment and either close your eyes or just focus your gaze at one spot. So there's a sense of your attention stabilizing. And turn your attention to what you sense in your own body. And although there may be a lot going on, I invite you to turn your attention to any sensations of stability or groundedness. Now I invite you to take one hand to your own heart or chest area. And again, you can have your eyes open or closed, whatever feels more appropriate. But keeping your attention inward toward sensation. I'd like you to make contact with the second quality of compassion, which is your own natural warmth. You might sense that around the heart. And sensing the three-dimensionality of your breath, like a radiant sun, there's a sense of expansion as you inhale. And a gentle release as you exhale. And then go ahead and bring your other hand to your belly. And bring in the quality of the sky. So this is the quality of acceptance and spaciousness. You were to think of an expansive blue sky that has room for everything. 
all the clouds that pass by. And sense in your own body the breath moving in and out. Sensing the body as a spacious container for the breath. We're going to see if we can take these qualities into a brief, silent, seated meditation. I know some of you are new to the practice of meditation, so I will give you a little bit more instruction than that. But the first instruction is to take your meditation posture or seat. So now mindfully come back to whatever your seat is. So you're going to find that quality of steadiness in your seat, the mountain. You want to feel connected to whatever is the support underneath you. Maybe it's feet flat on the earth and hips spread on your chair yeah, or sit bones rooted into the floor. You're going to make a conscious choice about the placement of your hands, whether that's hands at the lap, on the knees, or in contact with the breath. Keeping with that quality of stability, once you've made a choice about your position, I will encourage you to stay with it and to allow the body to enter stillness to the best of your ability. Now we'll make contact with that quality of the heart by setting an intention. I'd actually like you to bring to mind your intention for being here today. So there's some reason you decided to show up. You take a moment and bring that intention to mind. And it's that same quality of the heart that can also hold space for the intentions of everyone else who's in this room right now although you do not know the content of their intentions, see if your heart can just for a moment hold that awareness that there are other human beings in this room who are also here for a reason. And see if you can make some extra space for all of those intentions as part of our shared experience today. And finally, we are going to bring in the quality of the sky with both our attention and with our breath. So the focus of this practice will be the breath. There's a particular way that you practice breath focus or breath awareness meditation. Go ahead and use that technique. If this is a new technique for you, my favorite way to do it is just focus on how it feels to breathe. Whether that's the sense of breath in and out of your nose and mouth, Or maybe it's the feeling of expansion and release in the belly and the core of the body. And as we sit in silence for a few minutes, I invite you to notice when your mind wanders away from the breath and then gently bring it back to the breath.
Taking one more moment in stillness. And then beginning to really open your awareness back to the space around you. If your eyes have been closed, that means opening the eyes and just take a moment and now re-see the space around you. Take a moment, take it in. And that might include seeing the folks around you. You might be sitting next to someone you haven't actually made eye contact with yet. Now it could be a chance for that. good. I already see the balance of participants and non-participants. It's good. We are exercising autonomy. That was a good test. All right. Here's another opportunity for uh, participation. We'll call this confessions of a meditator. But I'm just going to ask you a really simple question and just raise your hand if this describes either your experience of the, the last few minutes or in general your experience of doing a practice like this. So raise your hand if you had the experience or have had the experience that you set the intention to be physically still, and yet you noticed how difficult it is to sit still and how much the body likes to move and fidget. Raise your hand if that... I did have my eyes open, so I also am aware of truth-telling. Okay, good. So many people had that experience. We set our intention towards stillness, and yet we found some sort of fundamental nature of fidgetiness. Uh, Now, we set the intention to focus the mind on the breath. Did anyone have the experience that the mind also wandered, that there were distractions? Oh, good. (laughs) Full participation of the mind. Excellent. And yet, now, so with holding both of those as being true, did anyone who experienced either one or both of those also find that you experienced something you might call a settling of the mind or a flash of stillness or sense of peace or acceptance, something that could hold that experience. Great, good, that's most people. So this is actually uh, the approach that we are going to, oh, it's already on, the approach that we are going to take all day today, and I'm just going to grab my little technology here. So one of the things that I've noticed about teaching compassion as well as teaching meditation is that we often come in with a lot of enthusiasm about what we're going to cultivate my compassion, my empathy, my forgiveness, my love. And as soon as we turn our attention to that, that natural ability that we have, the first thing we see is our own impatience or our own pettiness or the limits of our compassion or forgiveness of love. And I actually think that's a really good method for exploring this stuff. So I put this image up because it's sort of like if you were to go out on any given day and look up for the sun, the sun would be there, Yes. It's there. If you're going out during the day, the sun is there. But sometimes, depending on the day, depending on the weather, you look up for sun and you see clouds. Sometimes they're storm clouds. Sometimes they're pretty clouds. Uh, But sometimes you look for the sun and you see something else instead. I feel like that's often the experience we have in meditation, particularly when it comes to cultivating compassion. So we look for stillness and focus, and what we see is actually the inherent tendency to move, to distract ourselves or to be distracted. And at the same time, it's that process of being willing to go through that that also gives us a taste of the stillness of the mind and the spaciousness of the mind. And the same is going to be true for all of the compassion meditations we do today. I'm going to be inviting you to look at the sun and you may see the clouds. And actually, it's that process of um, compassionately exploring the barriers to our own compassion that is my method for 
for cultivating compassion that we're going to explore today. So specifically, we're going to look at the following common barriers to compassion. Actually, I think my goal is to get through four. In the other classes that I teach, we would get through all five, but I'm setting a personal agenda here to try to get through four and, and call that a day. Um, and the way we're going to do this is through both science and practice. Because one of the great things about the last decade or so of research is that now there's a lot of science interested in exploring why it is that compassion is, yes, a natural capacity of human beings. We all have something like a compassionate instinct, a natural ability to see suffering and to respond to it and want to relieve it. At the same time, it's really hard right, that there are limits to that natural instinct, and science has gotten very interested in exploring why that is, as well as how those limits can be overcome if we desire that. So we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to tell you some scientific stories and ideas. We're going to talk about it, and you're going to do a more in-depth meditation practice that gives you an opportunity to look for the sun and see whatever else shows up as well. So we are going to start with fear of compassion, this thing that you came here for, I think it's a pretty safe bet that even though you came here for compassion, that you are going to resonate with some of the fears of compassion that I show you, that both will be true. Then we're going to look at why it is that sometimes when we are, are aware of suffering, our natural response is not this amazing, heart-opening, courageous, yes, and now let me relieve that suffering from a place of strength and acceptance. Sometimes we feel other stuff instead when we, when we are close to suffering. So we're going to talk about that and how to actually make it more likely that our mind and our body and our hearts will respond with compassion rather than distress and overwhelm. We're going to talk about why compassion and empathy are harder for some folks than, than other folks. And we'll have a break around here, so if you are not interested in cultivating compassion for people you don't like, that is the time to leave and not come back. <laughs> And then finally, we'll look at the uh, barriers to self-compassion. For many people, it is more difficult to feel compassion for their own suffering than for the suffering of others, even people they don't like. And so we'll look at why that is and how to sort of bring everything together that we've talked about so that you, you might cultivate more compassion for yourself. So that's our agenda. And, oh, we did that, mountain, sun, sky. So every practice we do, we're going to basically come back to this little exercise we started with, that before we enter practice, we're going to find our own stability physically. We're going to connect to our own, uh, the, the warmth of our own intention, and then use the breath, really use the breath, as a, an opportunity to feel spaciousness around whatever arises. And so we'll do this over and over again. Stability, warmth, space. Okay. Now, I'm going to stand up, too, because I'm having a hard time making eye contact with some of you guys in the back. So this is opportunity for self-reflection. And we are going to be doing a small group exercise with this in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to be reading and then showing you on the screen a few statements that reflect commonly held fears of compassion, both feeling compassion for the suffering of others feeling compassion towards ourselves, and even fears of receiving compassion from another person to be the object of compassion. And one of the things that science has been exploring lately is the fact that this is very, very common, that many people feel strong reservations or concerns about uh, whether or not compassion is a safe thing, whether compassion is strength or weakness, whether compassion is 
a virtue or something that might actually be dangerous. So as I show you each of these, I want you to be looking for the one that resonates with you. Now, when I see some of these, I feel like I'm not sure I, f- I fully understand what that's about. And then others, I'm like, I understand that, right? That I get that. So I want you to be looking for the one where you feel like, oh, okay, I know what that point of view is. Okay, so um, the first two, being compassionate towards people who have done bad things is letting them off the hook. There are some people in life who don't deserve compassion. Okay, so this is really about compassion for others. Some people just don't deserve it. Necessary limits on compassion. Here are a couple others. People will take advantage of me if they see that I am too compassionate. People will take advantage of me. They'll exploit me. I worry that if I am compassionate, vulnerable people will drain my emotional resources. There's too much suffering. I worry that if I am compassionate, other people will drain my resources. You just see if anyone on there, and feel free to take notes, by the way, if you would like, to sort of jot down the essence of any of these. Okay, so here's the next set. I often wonder whether displays of warmth and kindness from others are genuine. When someone's showing me compassion, I wonder, what's that about? I wonder if that is genuine. When people are kind and compassionate towards me, I feel anxious or embarrassed. When people are kind and compassionate toward me, I feel anxious and embarrassed. I'm fearful becoming dependent on the care of others because they might not be available or willing to give it. I fear getting dependent on the compassion of others. You can see if there's anything here that kind of feels like it resonates. And then finally, fears of self-compassion. I fear that if I become less self-critical, my standards will drop. I fear that if I am more self-compassionate, I will become a weak person. I fear that if I start to feel compassion or warmth for myself, I will become overwhelmed by sadness or grief, by my own suffering. If I fear that if I start to feel compassionate for myself, I will be overwhelmed by the suffering. Okay, so you've now seen a bunch of statements that reflect kind of common reservations about this practice we're embarking on today of broadening compassion and cultivating compassion for self and others. I would like you to take a moment, so those of you who have something to write on or with, feel free to do it on paper, feel free to do it with just the technology of your own mind. We're going to take a minute of silence to just, uh, I want you to see if you can re-express in your own words the statement that resonated most with you. So I'm not going to show them to you again, specifically so that it ends up translated into your particular flavor. Okay? If you had to express it in your own words, take one of those statements and put it into words, in your mind or on paper. And again, as I said, this is every exercise we do is optional. And if you're choosing not to fully participate, I ask that you hold the space for others who are. So you can be that part of that spacious container who is breathing with and being with, staying present, but maybe not directly participating, and that's just fine. Okay, so one minute.
Okay, so now I'm going to throw you off the deep end. I don't know how you usually do things at the Insight Meditation Center, but in my training, we talk a lot. So I'm going to ask you to find small groups, ideally four. Now, again, you do not have to leave the room if you're choosing not to do this. But here's what you will be doing so you can make a a, sort of a, a full choice. I'm going to ask you to get into groups of four, and then we are going to practice compassionate witnessing as each person has about 30 seconds to express the statement that's kind of resonating with them. If they don't use up the full 30 seconds, you all just sit and breathe until that 30 seconds is over. If they're still talking at the 30-second point, they're done anyway. We got the gist of it. Okay. <laughs> after, after each person has shared and the others have witnessed, we take a brief moment, we breathe, And then I will tell you when it's time to go to the next person. So it's not really a conversation. It's about expressing from the generosity of your own spirit to let other folks know what's going on and the generosity of receiving, of learning how to witness this stuff without reacting, without evaluating, without projecting, without comment. Does that make sense? So it's brief statement, just listening. And the whole thing will be over in a couple of minutes if you're choosing not to participate. Okay, so if you are participating, find groups of four is ideal. Just turn your chairs a little bit. Yeah, we'll get a little messy. It's okay. But you want to be able to to actually orient towards your group. So a line does not work. 